all good things must come to an end. And I think that includes Jimmy Stein's world-famous Alabama football roster countdown. And today we're going to talk J.C. Latham, Dallas Turner, and Kool-Aid McKinstry. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him, Jimmy. Your countdown wraps up today just right on time for fall camp to begin. And we're going to start the ending. A little bit of irony. And uh, what do you call that? Uh, Department of Redundancy Department? What is that? Uh, what do you call it? An oxymoron? Uh, so uh, we're going to start with J.C. Latham. J.C. Latham, uh, an absolutely monstrous human being, as you can see right there. And um, just been an incredible player. For Alabama, uh, the, everybody seems to think he will be a first-round pick. I just looked at a mock, NFL mock draft. They had him going number 14 to the Green Bay Packers. I mean, there's a lot of things that's going to happen between Hither and Jan. But all three of the guys we're going to talk about today are projected to be top 14 picks, uh, nobody lower than, say, number five. Well, uh, that is maybe maybe I got the countdown right then when I rank the roster and have these three guys at the end and they're all three uh, as we speak anyway projected uh, first round picks in the draft. J.C. Latham among them, I have him ranked as the third best player on this Alabama football team. Uh, he could be number one. I mean, he he is really good. What I like so much about J.C. Latham, I mean, obviously six six three thirty five and and athletic that's why the nfl likes him so much even at that massive size he's he's an outstanding athlete he's light on his feet for for 335 pounds and carries it extremely well but you know the reason i like him the most is he's really a saban bot and and, and me and luke have used that term forever on our show uh and, and jc latham is that guy and by, by that i mean he, he strives to be as good as he can be in, in everything, whether you're talking about academics or whether you're talking about on the field, he's driven. And, and as we all know, Nick Saban is like the most driven human being we've, we've been associated with at Alabama football is absolutely driven. The Saban bots are the players on the team that are driven as much as their coach. And J.C. Latham is that way, uh, especially on, on the football field. He, he doesn't settle for just being good. He wants to be great. He works as hard as anybody on the entire football team. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he's not going to settle for anything but being the best version of himself. He's also, I think, matured uh, a great deal in his short time at Alabama. Uh, kind of a different kid uh, in, in, in terms of, uh, of his personality and how very outgoing. Uh, he's a leader on the team. Uh, I, I think that he leads almost more by example than, uh, than, than his voice. Uh, his, his style of play on the offensive line is really infectious. He plays with a lot of passion. He loves to play. I think that sort of, you know, bleeds over to his teammates on the offensive line. And one of the reasons Alabama is going to have their best offensive line since 2020 is the passion with which J.C. Latham plays rubs off on the others. And I think the right side of the offensive line, J.C. Latham at right tackle, Tyler Booker at right guard, it's probably the best right side. Uh, anywhere in college football and uh, great run blocker 
there are some things he can clean up. I, I think he gave up two sacks and, and, and committed 10 penalties last year. Uh, that's really actually good. I mean, you play as many games as Alabama plays, you know, 13, 13 big-time football games, and he gave up two sacks against the level of competition Alabama plays is outstanding, really. And 10 penalties, that's too much, but it's not egregious. It's too much. Uh, these are things he'll work on. But it just goes to show how, hey, when you only give up two sacks in 13 games uh, and against an SEC schedule and commit 10 penalties, and, and, and that's kind of like, hey, what you got to work on, uh, there's every reason to think J.C. Latham is going to play at an even higher level. Luke, I won't be shocked if he uh, – I'm expecting first-team All-SEC at the end of the year. I'm expecting first-team All-American honors very possibly. And uh, it w I don't even rule out him being an Outland Trophy winner or, or, uh, or certainly a finalist. So uh, just an outstanding player. It's come a long way. Uh, and, uh, and I think we haven't seen the best of him yet. We'll see it this fall. I really do love that right side. I mean, we just talked about Tyler Booker on yesterday's podcast. Um, I think that's awesome. I think we're going to be doing a lot of running to that right side. I mean, that that's what I foresee. And um, I, I think a lot of Alabama fans are going to be very happy about that. Uh, you're right about the 10 penalties. Um, that shocks me. I didn't know that stat. At, I mean, I guess it's not egregious, but – it, that seems like a horrible way to compliment somebody. Well, what you're doing is not egregious. Well, when you when you're well, that's not a number we're very familiar with, right? I mean, at the end of the year, uh, we're not really treated to okay. How many penalties did each lineman get? And I think when you say ten, that almost sounds like a lot, but it's really not because offensive linemen are penalized more than any other position on the field. People might not realize that, but an offensive line commits more penalties than any other unit on the field because. There's motion penalties, uh, and there's also holding, which, as we know, can be called on virtually every, any snap. Uh, so between the motion and the holding, 10, you know, Alabama played 13 games, so it's less than one a game for a guy that's playing 60, 70 snaps. Uh, it's really not that bad. It, it just might be something that sounds worse than it is. And I do agree it needs to cut down the number. I think a number more like, you know, 10 is not great, but I, I think uh, – four or five would be outstanding and he doesn't have far to go to get there. Yeah. I, I guess I should have prefaced this and I didn't really think about it until I got halfway into what I was saying a minute ago that, um, I mean, when you say 10 penalties for an offensive lineman, you immediately think tools and it's really have to be. Tools. So it probably isn't as bad as maybe I thought originally, but, um, you know, in the end, this guy's going to be a top 15 pick. I don't think there's any doubt about it. There's some folks out there you think he's in the top 15. Some people think he's in the top five. So it's all going to depend on where the draft falls. It's sort of a moot point to talk about a mock draft at this point because you have no idea who's going to trade, who's going to do what. Um, but J.C. Latham will be way up there barring injury, and I think he's going to have a heck of a year. If you want to have a heck of a year in your business, then what you need to do is uh, go to LinkedIn, LinkedIn jobs. I'm telling you, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes game uh, of poker with your small business. It's just difficult. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you got to do is go to LinkedIn jobs. You can use that purple hashtag uh, frame 
and just let people know that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to ultimately hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to, and it helps you find them a lot faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions probably yeah, almost certainly will apply. On the next Locked on Bama, it's time to talk about fall camp. Can't wait for that. I love the countdown. It is fun to do the countdown, um, and I'm sad to see it end. I'm also very happy that football is here. So, yeah, we'll get into that the very next time. Quick story before we talk about Dallas Turner. Uh, yesterday, I got a call, a work call, right at, actually at a voicemail. Uh, during the podcast, because uh, I get them to hold my calls as best they can. And uh, so I checked my voicemail, called the guy back. He was like, yeah, I'm looking for this. And I said, uh, you know, ultimately said, I don't know that we can help you with that. But he said, now you're Luke Robinson with Locked on Bama, right? And I was sort of taken aback. And I said, yeah. And he said, man, I listen to y'all all the time. And I said, God knows, I appreciate that so much. He goes, yeah, man, you got to, that mute button's a real problem for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, he proved you listen to the show. Well, it was just interesting that he called about something not related to Alabama at all. I mean, I don't guess it's that interesting that he called my job for something that my job would require. But um, it is uh, interesting that he at least listens, and I appreciate that. You and I were also I found out last night on the Sports Blitz program because we were talking about Perry Thompson. You and I were the subject, uh, or at least uh, one of the hot topics on the Auburn Discord board for Locked On Auburn or whatever it is. Apparently, people were unhappy with us when it comes to that. Uh, oh, really? not, not shocking. Not shocking. Auburn fans. <laughs> Auburn fans weren't happy with what we had to say about Perry Thompson. Okay. I know. I know. It's okay. I said that's okay. I said I we. Perry, I wish Perry the best. I do. I do too. And and as I said last night. He may flip again, so nobody cuss the kid, please, please. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good rule to live by, anyway. Don't cuss at eighteen-year-old kids. That's a pretty good rule. Um, yeah, it is, it is a good rule, and I I do my best. To, to, <laughs> even when, even when the games are being played on TV, I do my best not to do that. But no, I, I I might, in some way, be critical of a of a kid's decision in terms of where he's going to go to school from an objective point of view. Uh, uh, but I mean, I hey, you, you, kid, kid wants to go to Auburn. Good, good, good. All right, good for him. All right, we'll be fine. We we have won like eighteen national championships without it. Yeah, so we, I think it's going to be fine, fine either way. And we didn't even say anything bad. I think people just anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, can, let's what can we? What can we say? Yeah. You know, they're only gonna they're only gonna like us if we if we sobbed. You know, that's that's like. At, during the Perry Thompson, there were so many comments like, y'all are so salty. I was like, yeah, we're kind of salty. We just lost our best recruit. Yeah, sorry. I mean, should I not be upset? I mean, anywho. Look. And, and he flipped. It's not like it was deciding between the two. He flipped. Yeah. You know, from Alabama to Auburn, of course you're going to be, I don't know if emotional is the right term. And, again, I try to be, you know, straight-laced or not, not be emotional about it. But – I there was nothing we could have done to make Auburn people happy, like I said, except except sob. Then they, right. like, I love that Locked on Bama show. They cry. They literally cried. You know, that's the only thing we could have done to make them happy. So let's not 
I, I didn't even cry, even off air. <laughs> That's debatable. You know, you know what my reaction was off air? Just my reaction off air. When I heard, because, you know, obviously I, re I heard a, a few minutes before it happened. And, and this is my reaction. If you can see me on YouTube, my reaction was. What do you okay. Shrug, 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 shrug. Okay. Jimmy. Okay. That was the reaction. Okay. Okay. I've been trying to wrangle it back in. Let's go back to Dallas Turner. Um, Dallas Turner, who, I mean, he's a fan favorite. And look, let's let's call a spade a spade. He's not Will Anderson. And I, I don't mean that as an insult. And, and I want people to not, just like you should not compare J.C. Latham to John Hanna, you don't need to compare Dallas Turner to Will Anderson. It is not an insult to say, I don't think he's as good as he is, as Will Anderson. That's fine. It doesn't mean Dallas Turner isn't awesome and won't be a first-team All-American, may win some awards. And, in fact, um, he uh, – he was the one that projected to go number five in this uh, mock draft that I saw. He's projected to go higher than Latham or Kool-Aid. And, wow. and he's awesome. I love Dallas Turner. But I think the expectation will be he has a Will Anderson type year, and I don't know that he'll do that. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean he's not awesome. He still will be a first-team All-American. I love him a lot. It looks like right here he's being held in this picture, um, which he probably was. Um, boy, was that last year? Didn't he have like a big time face mask against LA? I mean, uh, Ole Miss that was like, oh my God, I thought he broke the guy's neck. I mean, he was a total accident, but wasn't yeah. that last year? That was, yeah, it was. And he had that play. And of course the hit on uh, Quinn Ewers that uh, knocked Quinn Ewers out of the game mm -hmm. and, uh, a couple of weeks and Texas fans were really uh, upset about it. I, 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 I didn't see anything dirty or late or it was just a big hit. But somehow, you know, with all the changes to football and the rules and trying to legislate a lot of violence out of the game, when there is a big hit, people want to scream penalty, even though it doesn't actually fit the definition. But, uh, hey, you know, Dallas is making those plays, uh, the, the the big shot against Ole, the face mask against Ole Miss and the shot on Quinn Ewers, you know, because he gets to the ball. He's a, a great player. He's probably not Will Anderson as – Luke said, I agree, he's not, he's not uh, as good as Will. Uh, but there, there's a lot of great players who aren't as good as Will. Uh, what knocks me out about Dallas Turner is he's really only been a starter for a season and a half. And the full season in which he was a starter, he played hurt quite a bit. And this is how hurt he was. I don't have details because they don't share those details publicly. So, so we're, we're not going to do that. But Dallas was so hurt last season that he missed all of spring practice. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, so, so Dallas played hurt. Uh, he also played out of position in their efforts to get two and three outside linebackers on the field at all times to take advantage of how athletic Dallas and Chris Braswell are. Dallas was sort of the chess piece. He was the guy they moved around. He played inside linebacker almost the entire Mississippi State game. That's how they moved, you know, Dallas around so much. And that versatility that he showed last year lining up in multiple spots, even though his production wasn't as good as it was his freshman year, it actually helped him with the NFL because the NFL got to see his entire skill set last season because he would play Mike on this play. He would play at his normal outside linebacker position. Sometimes we put three outside linebackers on the field. He'd line up inside like a defensive tackle. I mean, he lined up all over the place. And uh, this year it'll be back to normal. It'll be more – he'll be used more like he was during his freshman year when his production was just crazy through the roof. 
And I guess what I'm saying is in a season and a half of playing college football at Alabama in just a season and a half as a starter, 20 tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks, about 70 tackles total. Uh, this is a, a disruptive playmaker. He'll be Alabama's best disruptive playmaker in the front seven this year. And he's finally mature, older, and healthy. So uh, this is Dallas Turner's year. Uh, I won't be surprised to see him selected uh, really high in the NFL draft as uh, as it looked like he w- it was in, in the mock that Luke looked at before he went on there. You know, and I realized when I said, okay, I start off my Dallas Turner love fest with he's not Will Anderson. I, that was probably a negative thing to do first, and I didn't mean to do that because it immediately demeans uh, what he is as a player. What he is as a player is incredible. I love him. I want him to have an awesome year, and I want him to have a fantastic pro career. I think I, I guess I'm just so hypersensitive to the fact that um, me and a lot of Alabama fans, and fans in general, can immediately say when you get to the point where Alabama is, where you're like, "Oh, we don't, you know, rebuild, we reload." You think whoever you lost is, I mean, the guy that replaced the guy that lost is automatically going to be better than the next guy, because you're like, well, I mean, it just makes common sense, right? But it doesn't. Will Anderson's different. doesn't mean Dallas Turner isn't – Dallas Turner is, you know, one of the 1% of 1%. Will Anderson's one of the 1% of 1% of 1%. I don't even know what kind of percentage that is. So um, that's all I was trying to say. It doesn't mean Dallas Turner isn't awesome. He is. Uh, it's and, and I think he's going to have a big year. And I'll tell you something. Last night on our Sports Blitz programming – we had uh, the guy from Locked On Ole Miss on, and I thought it was kind of funny. He was not waxing poetic, but he was really sp- speaking highly of, um, oh, God, who was our uh, who was our defensive coordinator last year, whose name's escaped me. I'm 50. Pete, y'all. Golding. Pete I'm, Golding. Pete Golding. He was waxing poetic about Pete, not, not really, but close, about Pete Golding. And um, he said, you know, and I said, boy, this works out great then. Y'all are glad to have him. We're glad to get rid of him. It kind of worked out. And he said, yeah. Uh, he said, I understand. He said, but I think the expectations at Alabama are a little different, a little crazy. And he said, you know, he, he made an interesting statement. He said, you know, I don't think Pete Golding's failures as a coach were all on Pete Golding. I think most of them were on college football in general. And I thought, hmm, that is a very interesting way to put he was not very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, because if you're, if you're like, Hey, it's not, it's not my writing. That's not good. It's the people reading my writing that aren't good. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, that's the kind of what I kind of got out of that. And Pete Golding isn't all that bad. We give him a bad rap. He isn't all that bad, but, uh, I just thought that was an interesting comment. All right, Jim, let's take a break. When we come back. It's time to talk about number one, literally on your countdown. And we're back. And we are going to talk about number one on your countdown. And it just dawned on me, he also happens to wear number one. I don't know why that just dawned on me, um, but it did. And uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, who is uh, just incredible. I I mean, I think he's fantastic. I am shocked. Jimmy, I remember you and I talking about this on the podcast. When he was first returning punch, we were like, "Eh, you know, Kool-Aid's probably like a stopgap until JoJo Earl or, you know, Anderson or Law takes over at that position. Kool-Aid is a bad mofo when it comes to returning punts, man. And it's not just that he's a superstar. 
cornerback, which he is. And it's not that he's just a prototypical. I mean, to me, you want to talk about comparing players. He's Dre Kirkpatrick plus. He's better than Dre. And um, so, yeah, I think that uh, he's just an incredible player. I, th- I, I would probably rank him number one, too. It's a weird position to have in the number one spot of your countdown because normally that is reserved for a running back, a quarterback, and not a running back. I shouldn't say running back. Quarterback, left tackle, or uh, maybe maybe a, a edge rusher. Yeah, maybe. Maybe edge rusher. Yeah, I would sort of – I mean, I don't do my ranking based on the NFL draft, but I'm heavily influenced by the draft. So, as, as we know in the NFL draft, what positions are likely to go first, right? Quarterback, uh, pass rusher, left tackle, maybe defensive tackle. Uh, and, and cornerback will be up there, but I, I think – I don't believe a cornerback's ever been taken number one overall in the draft. I don't think that's happened. But uh, but there's always one that goes really high, and that, that person's probably Kool-Aid in this draft. He – you know, what I really like about Kool-Aid the most is here's a kid who is not afraid to live up to the hype because there was a lot of hype of, about Kool-Aid in high school. In his senior year, uh, when it was time to prove he was the number one prospect in the state, he was unstoppable. He was fantastic. And then he gets to Alabama as a five-star. And, you know, five-stars have crazy outsized expectations. What do you do? He started as a true freshman, not only started – he started down the stretch during a postseason run. He was a starter as a true freshman in the SEC championship game and in the playoffs. That's Kool-Aid. And, and then he goes into to, to last year as kind of a veteran, uh, a guy that was expected to be a starter and then played at an all-conference level in year two. And now we're going into year three, and we're talking about things like Gulf Award. We're talking about things like top ten pick in the draft. We're talking about – He's number one uh, on the roster. He's the best player on the team. And, you know, he shirks away from none of it. Uh, he's, he's confident, but at the same time, uh, not, not uh, you know, publicly a jerk. Uh, he's just a confident, swaggy type player. Uh, and uh, I, I really think he's another kid, by the way, that's grown in leadership. I think if you guys haven't seen it, you ought to Google uh, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry uh, this summer meeting with the summer workouts at uh, the kids at Parker High School in Birmingham. Kool-Aid has some friends on the coaching staff there, and Kool-Aid talked to that team. And, uh, boy, you get a real look at the intensity of Kool-Aid McKinstry. You, you, you understand quickly why he's great. The I don't take a rep off. I don't take one. Not only do I not take practice off, I don't take a single play in practice off. He, he's a guy that, again, a saving bot. He's bought into the idea that he can get better every day. He's also remade his body. He's he's a real muscular kid. The NFL is going to love this guy. And, you know, he's not exactly like him. This isn't a good comp. Sometimes my comps are pretty good. This one's not. But but I do still like it. I, I think Kool-Aid's going to draw comparisons to Sauce Gardner uh, in the NFL because they're, they carry themselves similarly. I think he's a similar player to Sauce. They're just built a little differently. That's why it's not a good comp. Sauce a little longer, a little more wiry. Kool-Aid a bit shorter and a bit more compact. I won't even be shocked to see Kool-Aid play nickel corner in the NFL because of the way he's built now. And I think that might really fit his skill set. But nevertheless, we're talking about the best player on Nick Saban's Alabama football team. And when you're the best player on a Nick Saban team, Luke, 
you are a real talented kid. So uh, we started way back at 88, one week after the NFL draft, one week after the draft. We started this uh, ranking the roster way back when. And uh, and here we are uh, at number one and uh, and practice starts tomorrow. So we hope you enjoyed it all summer long and it got us here to practice. This is much different than what we used to do was to rank the attractiveness of the players on our team before uh, our good friends at the Locked On Network and Tegna said, y'all got to straighten up. <laughs> y'all aren't doing that. <laughs> that, was a, that was spectacular programming, by the way. For those completely unaware that we did this, we brought in uh, literally award-winning uh, beauty pageant uh, 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 girls that were big Alabama football fans that actually – had participated in beauty pageants in the past and had done well in the beauty pageants. And they helped us with this because our opinions would be very good. And, uh, and boy, that was years ago. As a matter of fact, funny you should bring that up because the winner of both years we did this, the winner, I believe, was O.J. Howard. Both years we did it. And uh, O.J. Howard was released uh, yesterday by the, yeah. uh, by the Raiders. So O.J. in the news, not just for being the only winner of the uh, Alabama football player beauty pageant we ever had here on the show, uh, thanks to our uh, – outstanding uh outstanding help we got and my daughter calls i just i probably go and bring back the beauty pageant dad i didn't know y'all did that <laughs> do that again i could have her rank i mean she's 16 now i guess i could have her rank i mean i i gotta get used to my daughter dating don't i, I mean eventually it would, be, it would be better in our opinions that's for sure <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for me. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I'd rank Kool-Aid number one simply because I think he makes the most NIL money of anybody on the team right now. That is that should that should have factored yeah, in right. the amount of money we think you're going to make. The more money, the more attractive. Yeah, he's going to be a top ten pick. I think he's making more NIL money than anybody on the team, and uh, so so he he would he would be my number one seed going into this thing. All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.